Hello, and welcome back to the A to Z Animal Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Baraka, and of course, any little bird noises you may hear is my unofficial co-host, Pickle, my canary-winged parakeet. She is very cute, so I recommend you check her out on Instagram at PickleTheCanaryWing. This episode may have many little peeps because Pickle has been extra clingy today and is currently refusing to get off my shoulder. Before we dive in, remember you can find all of my sources linked in the show notes and transcript, which are available on our website, the theatozanimalpodcast.com, under the Episodes tab. Resources to help this week's animal will also be linked there. Additionally, any ecology terminology that may be used often most likely can be found on our glossary page. I will be defining words that we may not encounter as often in an individual episode. If you have any feedback or recommendations for a letter, feel free to contact me at Mickey Barra or at A to Z Animal Pod on Twitter and Instagram. There is also a form that you can fill out for animal suggestions on our website. Even if we've done that letter, still feel free to submit as hopefully we'll get a chance to circle back around. We started with A for I.I., our weird little lemur friend, and last week we moved to B for Binturong, the bear cat. So naturally, we are moving on to the letter C. Now, before I even say who we are talking about today, I want to put it out there. While these animals may look cute, they do not make good pets. I have seen a few people on TikTok have these animals as pets, and they may look like just bigger domestic house cats, but they are not. Period. These are still wild animals and are not meant to be house cats or pets. I don't think any of the TikTok users I have seen with these animals living in their houses are in the United States, but I don't care if your country allows exotic cats to be pets. It doesn't mean you should. Think about what's best for that animal. And don't come at me saying I tend to promote zoos or other captivity programs for animals in these episodes. The difference there is they are AZA accredited, which holds the institutions to rigorous standards of care and ethics. The AZA, which by the way stands for the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, does a really great job of keeping standards of care up to date with what we know about individual species. I will never promote a roadside zoo or institution that clearly does not care about their animals. The difference between an animal being kept as a pet and kept at an AZA accredited institution is astronomical. First of all, the owners of these cats are not held to any standards of care. Not to mention that most don't understand how to properly care for these cats. Oh, and the owners of these cats that I have seen online tend to have other pets. And these animals are predators. They are actively putting their other animals at risk to have a quote-unquote trendy pet. I don't care if they say they have trained this animal. It is not domesticated and therefore cannot be trained like your normal house cat. Now, not all exotic pets are bad. Otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite as Pickle is an exotic bird. But some exotic animals just should not be kept as pets, especially wild cats, even if they are not classified as a big cat. If you do opt to bring home a safe, emphasis on safe, exotic animal, you must do your research and know what you're getting into. Even Pickle, who is a very small parrot, requires a lot of care and attention and money. Exotic animals require exotic vets and diets which don't come cheap. Okay, mini rant over. Without further ado, C is for Caracal. 
As always, we start with the scientific name, and the Caracals is one of my favorites. And I say that because when a genus, species, and even subspecies is all the same as the common name, it just brings me joy. Sometimes it's the simplest things that make someone smile, and scientific names like the green iguanas, iguana, iguana, western lowland gorillas, gorilla, 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 and the caracals, caracal, caracal, bring me so much joy! Yes, that's right. The genus and species name for caracal is caracal, and clearly this is not an uncommon naming technique. In the case of the gorilla and the iguana genera, there are several members, but the genus and species repetition has to do with what we think of when we say iguana or gorilla. Although to me, an eastern gorilla looks like a gorilla to me as well. But we aren't talking about how we named gorillas, we're talking about how we named the caracal. And once again, I'm disproving my statement in episode one that most scientific names are Latin. The word caracal comes from the Turkish word and apologies to anyone who speaks Turkish at how I will butcher this, karakalak, which means black ear. Makes sense, since these cats have big pointy ears that are black on the outside. And this is a first for the podcast. The caracal is not the only member of the caracal genus. There is one other species within this genus, the African golden cat, or caracal arata. And get this, there's another cat within the caracal lineage. The serval, which is another one of my favorite animals, is part of the caracal lineage, but is not a member of this genus. Kind of like how the fossa were closely related to the binturong, but not a member of the same family. But what makes this lineage of cats different from others? To understand this, we need to start by looking at the family Felidae within the Filiformia suborder. We already know that Filiformia refers to cat-like animals from our time talking about the Binturong, but now we need to move into the cat family itself. The family Felidae includes all of the animals we know as cats, from your favorite big cat to your very own house cat. Of course, if you're like me and don't have a house cat, then it's your favorite house cat which belongs to a friend or family member. Within the cat family, there are subfamilies. Just like how species can be divided into subspecies based on little differences, other levels of classifications can be split up. In the case of Felidae, there are two extant subfamilies, Pantherinae, or the big cats, and Felinae, or the small cats. Most species of cats fall into the Felinae subfamily, with only seven species falling into the panther subfamily. This fun fact is not related to the caracal, but since I brought up the cats that classify as panthers, I might as well share it. A panther is any big cat, so in the subfamily Pantherinae, and the genus Pantherus, that is morphologically all black. Now, someone should tell that to the University of Pittsburgh, because for some reason our panther mascot is brown. Looking at you, Rock. Okay, back to the regularly scheduled caracal programming. So, within the subfamily Felinae, the genera Leptilaris and Caracal are very closely related. Lineage is not technically an accurate taxonomic classification, but basically these two genera diverged fairly recently and most likely stemmed from a single common ancestor. Also, if you're a little confused by the level of classification above genus, let me fill you in on the levels of classification from largest to smallest. It goes domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Or, you can remember it the way I do, Dapper King Philip called out for green spaghetti. Real quick, before we move on, apparently caracals may also be called the desert lynx, but I saw very few sources using this name. 
So now we know where the caracal fits into the scheme of cats. Let's find out where they fit into the scheme of the world. Much like their closely related species, caracals are found largely in Africa, but are also spread across the Middle East and into India. There are three subspecies of caracal based on their distribution. Caracal 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 is found in southern and east Africa. Caracal caracal nibiscus is found in North and West Africa, and caracal caracal shimitsi is found in the Middle East to India. If you want to know more about subspecies, refer back to last week's episode about the binturong, where I go into a little bit more detail on this topic. Regardless of the subspecies, caracals are animals that like very dry areas, but have a fairly tolerant habitat range. Throughout Africa, you may find them in the woodlands, savannas, and acacia scrub, and in the jungle scrub and deserts in India. In the Middle East, you'll find them in the arid and sandy steeps. Historically, they have similar ranges to the cheetah. Uncoincidentally, this distribution does overlap with several species of small gazelles. Real quick, just so you know, cheetahs don't count as big cats. Not only are they not a type of panther, but they also can't roar. I don't believe caracals roar like most big cats, but they do call out like a leopard, which we will discuss in a bit. For a rather small animal, caracals have fairly large home ranges, but the size of that which an animal may travel is affected by sex, climate, and the region of the world they live in. On average, males have a home range about twice that of a female caracal. In Africa, a male's home range may be 31 to 65 square kilometers, while a female's is more likely to be about 4 to 31 kilometers. However, in Asia, males may have a home range of 200 to 300 square kilometers. This number seems off, but that's what the credible sources say, so I'm going with it. The reason that females have smaller home ranges is thought to be a result of females being more territorial than males. Males may overlap their range with other males, while females will defend her space for her own use. And, much like other animals, both in our homes and in the wild, caracals will use their urine to mark their territory. Because they live in dry areas of the world, the caracal can go long periods of time without drinking water. I couldn't find what qualifies as a long period, but at least several days. Since they are in areas of limited water supply, they must conserve their energy. So, during the hot days, stay hidden to avoid the sun. Which is fine, because cats are largely nocturnal. Hence why your pet cat gets the 3am zoomies. Or so I've heard. They choose to hunt during the cooler mornings and at night. And, like all cats, they are largely carnivorous, so they need to hunt to survive. But what will they hunt? Well, as I alluded to earlier, they do enjoy a good small gazelle or antelope, much like other African cats, also hares and other small rodents, and even small monkeys. But they especially love birds. They use their finely tuned, massive ears to listen to the flapping of wings before launching themselves three meters or ten feet into the air to catch their prey. Sometimes they'll eat a reptile or two, but reptiles are not a staple in the caracal diet. When they find their meal, they will drag it off into a more covered area so they can enjoy their meal in peace. And, if it's a large prey and cannot enjoy it in one sitting, they may cover in the grasses to keep it hidden. It has also been documented that they may snack on fresh grasses or fruits on occasion, but they most likely don't get much nutrition from this as carnivores do not have the same digestive abilities as herbivores or omnivores. Instead, scientists think the cats do this for the moisture content. You may be surprised to learn that this predator is not at the top of the food chain. Larger predators, like hyenas, lions, and sometimes African wild dogs, may hunt and eat the caracal. 
Camouflage is their first line of defense, but they will also use their agility and great climbing abilities to avoid the apex predators. So, black ears and camouflage are not quite big as a big cat. What do these animals even look like? Well, they are larger than your average house cat, weighing 8 to 19 kilograms, or 17.62 to 41.85 pounds. For reference, house cats are about 10 pounds on average, and of course, vary by breed. And these cats are between 80 and 125 centimeters, or 31.5 to 49.21 inches long. So, I guess the size of a medium-sized dog? Their coats may vary between red to brown, but from my understanding, it largely has to do with the habitat they live in. Their ears are large for their size, with little tufts of fur sticking straight up off of them. And as I mentioned earlier, their ears are black. If you've seen a Canadian lynx, they kind of look like that, but brown with much shorter fur. Hence why some call them the desert lynx. Let's get into some life history of the caracal. Much like the other two species we have discussed so far, the caracal is a fairly solitary creature. Their social structure has not been well studied, so it is not well understood. But, according to the National Zoo, caracals will either live on their own or in mated pairs. The key here is that unlike other wild cats, they aren't living in prides or families. In fact, most caracals will only come together when it's time to mate, which often occurs between August and December. That being said, caracals do have the ability to reproduce at any time of the year, but most often they time it so the young are born in the summer. Male snow females are ready to mate by a chemical signal in their urine. It has also been reported that a cough-like mating call may be used by an individual. Many different systems of mating have been documented in the wild within caracal populations. The best way to describe caracal mating is by saying it's polygyandrous, which means many males to one female. The males don't stick around to help care for the young. This is common in polygyandrous systems, as the males cannot be sure that the young have their genetic information, and therefore do not invest the energy into helping rear the kittens. A female caracal will be pregnant for 68 to 81 days, and will have anywhere between 1 and 6 kittens in one litter. On average, caracals will have about 3 kittens a year, as they give birth once a year. When it comes time to have kittens, caracal mothers will use an abandoned aardvark or porcupine burrow, or even some previously used den. Like most cats, caracal kittens are born tiny and defenseless with their eyes shut. It is not until about 10 days old that these cats will be able to open their eyes. At 1-2 to two months, these babies will start to eat meat and learn basic hunting skills from their mother. By the time they are 4 or 5 months old, the cat's permanent teeth have come in, making it much easier for them to fend for themselves. At this point, they have been completely weaned off their mother's milk. However, they will not leave their mom and siblings until they are about 1 year old. At 7 to 10 months, a caracal has reached reproductive age, but it's not until 14 or 15 months that these young cats have successful litters. Scientists believe body mass has a lot to do with the age at which they can successfully reproduce. We aren't sure how long these cats will live in the wild, as no reliable data has been collected and reported. It is estimated caracals will have a lifespan of about 12 years in the wild, while they may live up to around 20 years in captivity. Now, while these cats may not cross paths often, they do have ways of communicating with each other. I already mentioned that urine can be used to indicate territory, and when females are biologically ready to mate. Also, there is the potential mating call used by this species. But these are not the caracal's only means of communication. Or, so we think. No actual studies have been done in the wild, but zookeepers think that the ear tufts may have some role in communication within the species. The caracal is also no stranger to making noise. While they're fairly quiet, caracals may purr, mew, growl, or hiss to express their mood, and, if needed, can cry out like a leopard. 
as I mentioned earlier. And, according to the San Diego Zoo, caracals make a wah-wah sound if they are uneasy. I'm not entirely sure what this means, but I'm trusting the zoo to know what it's talking about. And scent may be used in communication to a greater extent than through urine. Caracals have scent glands between their toes and on their faces. I couldn't find anything on the exact function, but I believe that much like urine, these scent glands help mark territory and indicate readiness to breed. Territory may also be marked by leaving marks on trees while sharpening their claws. Now, this is my favorite time of the show, Silly Songs with Larry! Wait, wrong show. Fun facts! Now, I already shared one of my favorite caracal facts because it's vital to understanding how they hunt. And that fact is that they can jump about 10 feet into the air. This means if a caracal had hands, most likely they would be able to dunk a basketball. No problem. Other cats, like their cousins the serval, have this ability as well, but I find it impressive nonetheless. Additionally, these are the fastest and most agile cats for their size. And you're probably going, wait, isn't it cheetah in this size group? From what I'm reading, these are medium cats, and cheetahs are large cats. And yes, a large cat is different from a big cat. Come on, wildlife biologists, make your cat sizes clearer! Another fun fact about caracals is that they actually have a long history of being a part of human lives. Now, this fact does not change how I feel about keeping these cats as pets. Do not keep a caracal as a pet. If you're considering getting a caracal as a pet, restart this episode right now and re-listen to my rant. For a long time, caracals were used for hunting birds for sport in India and Persia. By the way, Persia is what we now know as Iran. And in ancient Egypt, statues of caracals were placed in tombs with pharaohs to guard them. But again, do not keep one of these as a pet in your house. Or even your backyard. Okay, before we go, we have to talk about their status in the wild and conservation efforts. According to the IUCN Red List, caracals are of least concern. This means that currently the population is not at risk of becoming endangered or extinct. The red list says that there is not enough information to determine if the population is decreasing or not, while other sources I looked at said that they are rapidly declining. Caracals are at risk from humans, as not only are we altering the global climate and habitats for wildlife, but many populations find this animal to be a pest. Caracals have been documented eating livestock if they are unable to find another source of food, which has led to them being killed by farmers. Now, just because the population is currently stable does not mean they are not at risk. As always, contributing to the conservation efforts in the region of the world where an animal lives will in turn benefit the animal. That being said, there are no conservation efforts aimed solely at the caracal due to its current status. But, as always, spreading the message about this species is a great way to start. This species may not need immediate action, but that does not mean we shouldn't talk about them, because at the rate humans are destroying this planet, it won't be long before they need our help. I have not linked any conservation efforts on our website for this episode due to their current IUCN status, but there are many places you can donate if you just take a second to look them up. Many of these places are cat sanctuaries, and I just want to make this really clear. Make sure you do your research on whatever organization you donate to if you really want to make a donation especially after Tiger King brought to light some of the darker aspects of quote-unquote cat rescues. Not all cat rescues are bad, and not all cat rescues are good. Just make sure you do your research and learn a little bit more before you give money to any organization. And finally, if you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, this animal may be a great one to study. There are still so many unknown aspects about this animal's life history. 
I hope you enjoyed learning about the desert lynx with me, and we'll stick around for next week's episode. Feel free to follow at A to Z Animal Pod on Instagram and Twitter for updates about upcoming episodes. And if you made it this far, please feel free to give me some feedback, be it over social media or email. All my contact information can be found on the A to Z Animal Podcast.com. What do you think I did well? What topic did you think I glossed over too fast? Do you want longer episodes, shorter episodes? Any feedback is so highly appreciated as I am brand new to hosting a podcast and know there are probably a million things I could improve on. Thank you so, so much for listening to the A to Z Animal Podcast. I'm Michaela Baraka and I hope you'll tune in next week as we move on to the letter D for Dole. Have a great day and stay safe.